Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Real Couple. Uh, I am your, I am one of your hosts, Dallas. Co-host? I'm one of your co-hosts, Dallas. And I'm the other one, Paige. Nice. Um, as per usual, uh, as with the last two weeks, we are dog-sitting, so you're going to hear annoying sounds in the background from two adorable yet annoying as hell uh, little hounds. Um, so yeah, tonight, uh, seems like one of them is obsessed with a hard plastic chew toy, so you'll probably be hearing chewing sounds, because I am not a good enough sound editor to figure out how to take that out. Sorry! Um, you get what you pay for, and this is free, so, there's that. Um, we watched a movie. Paige, what did we watch? We watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day. We did watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day. You probably already guessed that because we told you last week and also you had to click on the episode and the episode is named Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So, um, first things first, uh, without getting into um, any spoilers or anything, uh, what going into this, that, that question I used to ask you, what were you expecting going into this? I was expecting a Terminator movie, like unto the first one. Okay. Um, Pretty early days CG. Yeah. uh, Because it came out in 1991. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't really know what to expect storyline wise. I just knew that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be a Terminator. That's really all I knew. Okay. Um, so you didn't know there were going to be two Terminators in this one? No. Okay. Um, I remembered later on. Okay. Because I had seen some videos in the past. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, going into it, you didn't know there was a liquid Terminator. But as it played out, you were like, oh, I've seen a lot of these shots in other yeah. things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like, for me, as I've mentioned so many other times, growing up, I, I I watched a lot of movies, and I was just aware of famous shots, famous characters, um, from working at my parents' store, I was well aware of the T-1000, uh, just from the action figures we sold, things like that, so, yeah, and that um, store is Blast from the Past in Burbank, California. Yeah, to give a proper shout-out product placement, uh, Blast from the Past, um, Burbank, California. Um, if you're in the area, go check it out. It's a dope-ass store. Um, Tell them the real couple it. sent you. They'll know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, the female that works there will definitely know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad... I, I hope. You might be able to name drop Dallas. and Yeah, yeah. If you're like, I listen to The Real Couple, he may be like, I don't know what that is. Then be like, the host's name is Dallas. He knows all. He is aware of two Dallases on this planet, and I'm named after the other one. <laughs> <laughs> he brought one into creation and named it after the other. So, um, yeah. Captain Dallas did not send you. Real yeah, couple that yeah, was sent no, you. Yeah. If Tom Selleck in character, I always forget or I always get them mixed up. It's either Tom Selleck or Tom Skerritt. It's not Tom Selleck. Okay, then it's Tom Skerritt. If Tom Skerritt 
in character since you did blast in the past that's it's a dope ass story to tell um anyways we digress. let's talk about terminator <laughs> 2 so should we just put up the spoiler warning and dive right in um if you really want to but uh, wh- what did you think of the movie? Without without saying, like, I liked this very specific thing that happens. Overall. Overall, I liked it. Okay. Overall. I think the, I think the dogs are being annoying. The dogs are being so annoying. Um, like unto the first Terminator film. Yep. I appreciated Terminator 2 a lot more when I did some background research on how it was made. Okay. Uh, but at face value, I did like Terminator 2 more than I liked Terminator 1. Okay. I was about to ask because I, I feel like, yeah, with Terminator 1, the, the first film is a very influential film. And, but, yeah, when you were like, it's, it's kind of rough to get through it. I, I can see where you're coming from. It hurts to hear, but I can see where you're coming from. This one, however, I think has stood the test of time phenomenally well. It has. As I was watching it, I kept having that moment of like, I would put this up there with some of the absolute greatest science fiction adventure films ever made. I put this up there with Jurassic Park. And I adore Jurassic Park. Yeah, you do. I think there are like two, maybe three flaws in the entire movie. And the one that springs to mind is such a Dallas chill out, that's a tiny thing type of flaw. Uh, Jeff Goldblum at some point, uh, they're talking about uh, things broke down in Disneyland when it first opened. And Jeff Goldblum says, yes, however, the Pirates of the Caribbean, or the pirates on Pirates of the Caribbean didn't, jump out and murder the guests back then. However, Pirates of the Caribbean was not one of the rides that was that opened in 1955 when Disneyland opened. And that's one of the only flaws I can find in Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. <laughs> Digging deep on that one. Exactly, yeah. I think that movie is just on another tier. And as I rewatch Terminator 2... I think Terminator 2 is on that same level. Like I, I mean it was done by a lot of the same people. A ton of the same people. And we we just finished watching a bit of behind the scenes special features stuff and at many times they talk about the not similarities but uh how Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park came out close together. And broke a lot of the same ground, or um, one was a stepping stone for the other. It was it was really interesting um, that I was thinking about both of those movies while I was watching Terminator Two, and then in the special features, both of those movies are mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really love this movie, and I had forgotten just how much I love this movie. Um, so, so with that, yeah, we're gonna throw up the spoiler warning. Right, we're spoiler just gonna warning. dive in. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe don't listen to the rest until you watch the movie. Yeah. And if you haven't watched this movie and it's not already 
terribly obvious. I recommend the shit out of this film. So damn good. It is. It's a very good watch. Yeah. I, I will say, I don't feel like, well, if you haven't seen the first film, maybe you could just take this one at face value. There, there's a lot of things where... Um, I feel like you need to see the first one yeah, in order to fully appreciate the second at, one. At least, you know, read a, a plot synopsis on the internet for the first movie um, if you desperately want to watch the second. Because if I remember correctly, I don't think I saw the first film until quite a while after I'd seen the second. Oh, really? Growing up, I just became well aware of the general plot of the second movie. And growing up, I never really became that f- aware of the plot line of the first. Getting into spoilers. Getting into spoilers. I thought the man versus machine war of 2029, I thought that looked so good. Especially when compared to the footage we get in the first movie. So much better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's called a hunter killer, but the aircraft, the Terminator aircraft that's chasing after him looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the just the laser guns. We get our first actual look at John Connor. Yeah, we do. Um, future John Connor and obviously young John Connor as well. Um, which later iterations of John Connor, they make sure to have a scar on his face. And I remember seeing some of those later films with people and they were like oh and they got the scar right and i was like oh my gosh i totally forgot he has a scar in terminator 2 so re-watching this i i saw the scar and i was like yeah he definitely has it and as soon as you see it it looks iconic as hell um i really liked that arnold schwarzenegger was like a good terminator so did you know he was going to be a protagonist in this movie i did not you didn't. Okay. I feel like I figured it out fairly quickly and was like, okay, I see. Um, but I did like that plot point. I liked that. I mean, it was such an easy thing to write in like, oh, he reprogrammed you. I was totally fine with that. Like it was easy. It was believable. It made for a great storyline um, and it made so like, like it made room for that other Terminator to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. To still it made have room it. for a Terminator film because mm-hmm. like if they had brought Arnold Schwarzenegger back as a Terminator that was trying to kill them, it would just be the first film all over again. Yeah. And you know, are, are which you granted sending, there uh, is still a Terminator that's coming to kill them, but there's mm-hmm. this extra little piece in there. Yeah. I would say the concept of the first film there's a there's a robot from the future coming to kill you. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. The concept for the second film, there's a robot from the future coming to protect you from a robot from the future that's coming to kill you, and it's made out of liquid metal. Oh, damn. Okay. That is a far more interesting story to me now i will say i don't think you can have terminator 2 without terminator 1 even though terminator 1 is a i i would definitely call it a better film you can't just jump into two no you know you have to have that groundwork if someone were to be like i want to make a movie okay tell me what it's about someone's getting hunted by a robot 
but also they're being protected by a robot. But both robots have been sent from the future. You're just biting off so much out of the gate. Yeah. You need that. Is world building the best term? Yeah. Um, uh, you need that uh, groundwork mm-hmm. uh, situated. Because this, it uses the first film as a really, really good stepping stone. Absolutely, it does. And so I, I think it, it does that really, really well. I think after this, again, without giving too much away, there are times when they, they want to like go bigger and go more impressive and, and how do we outdo what came before. And there are times when it's just kind of eh. Uh, the one time that, uh, again, I, I've, I've mentioned that it has a lot of problems. Uh, Terminator 4, Terminator Salvation, that's the one that actually shows you the future war. That's the one that oh, takes okay. place in the future. And so because of that, we get to see a lot of different Terminators. So different models, um, both before Arnold's model and after. Okay. Um, and so that gets um, interesting. Um, and there are, uh, how, how to put this, um, if, if you have like your... Um, your MacBook and your MacBook Air and your MacBook Pro, things like that. Mm-hmm. Terminator Salvation. You also get to see iPods. Okay. So like not... So different like variations. Yeah. It's not like a T-800, like T-700. Animal Terminators? Uh, not quite. Okay. But you're not too far off. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. But yeah, I'm, I'm very appreciative of uh, where your head's going. So yeah. Um, I feel like we cannot talk about Terminator 2 without talking about the CG. Yeah. Because that is why it's such a good movie. Mm -hmm. And what, just like learning what they had to do in order to make a man out of metal is Uh, mind boggling. We mentioned earlier that we watched some, some special features and... They go into the the groundbreaking special effects, the the coding that they had to write themselves, build it from the ground up in order to get this to work. And whenever they talk about like, oh yeah, this this stuff had never been done before, we needed to figure out how to make it work. And then it shows people hard at work, but it shows them working on a 1991 computer, which this is like pre-internet. Yeah, this is yeah. You can't just email someone and be like, hey, how do you have any like pointers or advice on how to make this work? It's like, and and, no, and they literally talk about how they're like, I had a vision for what I wanted and I just put in the work to make it happen. That is something like, I've always. How the hell do you just figure something like that out? Yeah, that is something I've always absolutely adored about James Cameron is how. He is a man who has vision. He absolutely it's in his head. Is. This is how I want it to look. He knows how to communicate to people. This is what's in my head. This is what you need to render on the computer. This is what you know when I'm putting the camera where I'm putting it and things like that. It's because it needs to match exactly what I came up with. And so everyone here needs to work really, really hard. But I promise the thing in my head is great. That's. 
a huge point of this is that he was able to communicate that to other people. And we had watched in the special features that they had filmed like the backgrounds of these scenes that had the metal man in them. Like they filmed those weeks or months even ahead of when they actually filmed the lead up and the follow out scenes of those ones. And he's like, we had to know what the lighting was going to look like. We had to agree on where the camera was going to be. All of this stuff. Like, James Cameron is a freaking genius. Yeah. To just be able to have that and to communicate it and to get all of these people on board. Mm-hmm. Like, how? How does a human being do that? Yeah. What even is James Cameron? And something that he mentioned was he had thought up the idea of a character made out of liquid metal like 10 years earlier. Yeah. Which, what? James Cameron has a long decorated career of coming up with a great idea and then sitting on it for as long as he has to in order to finally put it into play. And one thing that really, really I found interesting was he, in the the special features thing we watched, at some point, you know, a bunch of people are talking about how Terminator 2 changed the game for special effects in a big way because they did something that had never been done before and people were like, whoa, if if we're capable of this, what else can we be capable of with that new breakthrough we've figured out? And they started interviewing Peter Jackson and Peter Jackson was like, I was a young filmmaker working on a couple other things and then I saw Terminator 2 and it showed me how, how much more potential there was in my craft all of a sudden well he basically said that he had to he had to jump on board on this because it was such a groundbreaking thing for film yeah which the concept that uh peter jackson sees a james cameron film terminator 2 and is inspired by that and then he goes ahead and with that inspiration makes the lord of the rings films specifically Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And then James Cameron goes and sees The Two Towers and watches Gollum up on the big screen and says, oh my gosh, if mankind is now capable of that, that means I can now start working on my Avatar movies. Because yeah, little known fact, the image of Gollum, James Cameron already had the idea for Avatar, but he knew the technology wasn't there yet. And then he saw Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies, and that's what notified him that technology had gotten to a point that he could make avatar and what else is going to come out of these two like yeah like what is peter jackson going to do now that james cameron made avatar yeah like when when peter jackson goes and sees the way of water is he going to be like i can make silmarillion now (laughs) oh my gosh um so yeah just they also talked a lot about in like the special effects They compared the Metal Man to, I know it's the T-1000, but Metal Man is just more fun to say. Oh, okay. Um, They compared him a lot to the water creature in the Abyss. Yeah. Was the Abyss pre-Terminator 2? Yes. Okay. So they used a lot of that same technology. Yeah. So from what I understand, I have not seen the Abyss, uh, but a lot of people I have talked to have told me that The Abyss is not a perfect film. 
In fact, it is a pretty mid film. However, that one effect, the water creature, is the one shockingly good thing about the movie. Okay. And uh, in that uh, bit we watched, um, James Cameron actually talks about how he knew that that creature was going to be very difficult to, to get it to work. And he specifically wrote his movie and shot his movie in a way that if they just couldn't get it to work, he could cut around it. He could cut that scene out and rework the things before and after so that you kind of knew something happened between these two and it involved a creature of some kind. They made first contact, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, now here we are. But he didn't have that option with T2. Yeah, which uh, I think because Abyss had already been made, had already, you know, he, he knew they were able to make the Abyss work. He was able to be more bold with how he wrote Terminator 2 mm-hmm. so that he didn't need the uh, the way out. The, the safeguard, you know, yeah. Yeah, he didn't need the safeguard. Um, and so... And even though, like, you can tell they're very, like, 1990s special effects, they hold up very well. They were very well done. They're early 1990s special effects that really feel like early 2000s special effects. They really do. Like, I... There are some movies made this century that have worse special effects than Terminator 2. Um, There's a few things that I would love... uh, I I don't want him to, like, take away the Terminator 2 that we have. However, the same way George Lucas will go into the Star Wars movies every once in a while and, like, And, like, tweak remaster things. them. Yeah, just, like, I'm going to add eyelids to the Ewoks, and I'm going to put this in and that in. McClunky. McClunky. Son of a bitch. Um, if James Cameron, or if specifically, uh, you know, Weta Digital, or... Uh, not ILM. Uh, yeah, ILM and Stan Winston Studio, if those guys were to go back in and try to either recreate the effects in Terminator 2 or just touch up, what could they do with the the reflections on that liquid metal? Magic. Like, they could make magic. Yeah, they looked great back in 91, but nowadays with ray tracing, with just the, the technology of reflections, like how much better could they get it? Um, because, again, not giving anything away, um, in one of the later Terminator films, there's a digital, um, not just digital de-aging, but digital uh, facial recreation Okay. to um, show several characters at a younger age than, than they are now. Um, Does it look good? It looks decent. Okay. It, you know, as with so much of that, if you freeze frame... It looks shockingly good. As soon as you hit play and you actually have to see it move, that's when it kind of breaks down. Okay. And I I think that's how it is more often than not, especially these days. A lot of people are like, oh man, there's a CGI face. It looks so bad. But as soon as you freeze frame it, I feel like so often people are like, oh, it looks so terrible. Look. And they'll just show you a single frame of 
Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian or Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One or whatever, and just a single frame, I'm like, that looks perfect. It's not until they're moving that your eyes can kind of, oh, it, yeah, the pores aren't stretching or whatever. Um, So, uh, the, the concept that they can now do something like recreating a face and back in 1991 they were just trying to make liquid metal look good and it did but Which if they were to really take did like today's technology to do that stuff back then oh my gosh you could really like that's a terrifying machine to come up against oh yeah like yeah. just him you know knowing that if he makes contact with you that he can then morph into you and just like the little things like Dallas picked up on while we were watching that he had like stabbed through the ceiling of the elevator and cut Sarah Connor. So that was the contact he made with her. And then I had picked up on on the as he's like chasing them down the street. Uh, he'd left a little piece of metal behind in the car. Yeah, he turns his hands into and, hooks and hooks into the yeah. trunk of the car. And, and John touches that and throws it back so that's the contact that he made with john which we never saw him morph into john yeah but and right before he morphs into sarah connor he stabs her right in the shoulder so i don't know if um you know he got more information that second time or what um which fun fact that i didn't know until you told me mm -hmm. uh the scene or scenes are there multiple scenes i don't know but there is a scene where the Terminator is pretending to be Sarah Connor and then Sarah Connor herself shows up right behind him. Uh, fun fact, what's her name? Lisa Hamilton? Linda. Linda Hamilton has an identical twin sister and that is who played, I'm guessing, the Terminator one? I would assume the T-1000 was played by the twin. Um, and then there's also a scene earlier in the movie where uh he takes the shape of a security guard at the mental institution and the security guard walks across a, a certain stretch of floor that the t-1000 is, is mimicking mimicking yeah and so he turns into that guy and those two are also identical twins which kind of a, a callback to the little fun fact i shared last week uh those identical twins appear in gremlins 2 together they do yep was that like a requirement for casting <laughs> <laughs> if you want a small role in this terminator franchise you gotta have a small role like, in was there the no just franchise. like not necessarily the gremlins but the identical twin thing oh I, like I, did I, they put that out on their casting call well, for that security guard and for Sarah Connor, or I don't know. did they get Sarah Connor and they're like, "Well, convenient, you happen to have someone who yeah. looks exactly like you." I wouldn't be too terribly surprised to find out that they only cast the security guard because he has an identical twin brother. That seems like the the sort of thing you could easily be like. They didn't want to Lindsay Lohan it in Parent yeah. Trap, um, which. Yeah, interesting. Like, because uh, the one security guard needs to be standing, like, just over the shoulder of the other one, I feel like with Lindsay Lohan, they were able to, like, 
cut the frame right down the middle for the most part. I wonder if it would have been more difficult with how closely they were standing. Was I the only child that did not believe that Lindsay Lohan wasn't a twin? Oh, I totally believed it. My mom tried to explain to me that it was just Lindsay Lohan, and I would not and could not believe her. Yeah, it it shook a generation. I don't know exactly how old I was when I was like, oh, they can do that. But it was probably older than I should have been. There's a weird amount of CGI or special effects things that even today I'll be like, how did they do that? And then someone will be like, wires. I'm like, no, no, you can't. You can't accomplish something like that with wires. And then I see the behind the scenes footage and I'm like, son of a bitch, it was fucking wires. (laughs) There was a scene in this movie that had that. Um, uh, Another example. Much more recently, uh, the movie Inception, which I know you've seen. We've yes. seen it together. Um, there's is there a the twin in Inception? No, no. This is wire work. Oh, right. The whole entire se- sequence of zero gravity when... so uh, Joseph, Like the hallway? Joseph Gordon-Levitt has the hallway fight where it's twisting uh-huh. because the van is... Yeah. Uh, turning. Turning. But then they go off the bridge. Yeah, and, and they're like falling. And it's just free falling. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of that dream layer, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just in zero gravity. Mm -hmm. I remember coming out of that movie and being like, they must have done what they did in um, Apollo 13, where they had a, an airplane go straight up and then straight down because that's how they filmed uh, Apollo 13 was they just had to go up and down over and over and over every single day to recreate zero gravity. I, I assumed that was the only thing they could have done for Inception. And everyone was like, that's ridiculous. There's no way that's what happened. They used wires. And I was like, no, it was clearly weightless. And then I saw the special features. They did all that with wires. And I'm an idiot. Um, and then in this, as I was watching the movie, I was like, how is that even real? Oh my gosh. The moment when Arnold Schwarzenegger, the T-800... He's riding the motorcycle, and then he's up on, like, the, the roads, but he needs to get down into the... The canal. The canal. And he, the um, two canals merge, and he's on the, the road above, and he comes off of that, like, arrow V-formation thing and just jumps it and lands. Sparks come flying out, and he just goes. And it's... All, it was so smooth. It It's so smooth. It's pretty much all done in one or two shots. Mm-hmm. But they feel like they were filmed together. Like it was two coverage shots of the same yeah. moment. And it's in slow motion. And the second shot clearly shows his face the whole time. And I was like, if that's not a stuntman, how did he just jump a fucking Harley Davidson motorcycle? Wires, Dallas. Wires Wires. and CGI erasing wires. (laughs) You fucking idiot. (laughs) Did you know that the uh, semi that the T-1000 is driving in that scene, the like canal chase scene, Mm -hmm. it wasn't originally planned to have the roof come off. But when they got there, they (gasps) realized that it wouldn't wouldn't fit. fit. So James Cameron is like, well, guess we have to take the roof off. And that's how that happened. That's amazing. That is so cool. And yeah, that that moment, it hits and John Connor turns around, kind of has that moment of like, did I just, am I good? 
And then he nope. pops back up. And no, not you're not. good. Not even close. <laughs> Dumbass. Um, there was probably no guerrilla filmmaking in Terminator 2. No. Because now everyone knows the name James Cameron. He's the guy that brought us uh, Terminator. He's the guy who brought us, at this point, Aliens. He's the guy who brought us that Abyss movie from a few years ago with that, you know, kind of crappy story, but that amazing water tentacle thing. So, yeah. Now, when he says, I need this budget, the studio is like, yes, sir. Which, his budget, like, they gave him one, and then he was like, I need more. So they increased it from, like... I don't remember what the exact numbers were. I think it was like from 60 billion to like 88 billion or million. Probably million. I, not right. billion. Yeah. <laughs> like that by, was a misspeak. By today's standards, I'm pretty sure if a movie million. costs a billion dollars, that's an expensive ass movie. With an M. With an M. Not a no. B. No. Um, real quick, something that I meant to mention a long time ago, but... Uh, yeah, as we were watching this movie, every time I think about, like, great eras for uh, movie making, my brain always says there was the 80s, and then there's, like, the 2000s. But the 90s is kind of eh. No, it's not. The no, 90s... the 90s did such big stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't say the 90s has, and I'm probably just forgetting so many things, but... I don't think the 90s has as large a roster of heavy hitters, but I think the heavy hitters that it has are some of the heaviest hitters. But the heavy hitters that came in the 2000s couldn't have been a thing without what the 90s did. Yeah, probably not. Um and because it's... they said, like, when they were doing the CG for this movie, that it hadn't ever really, like, crossed anyone's mind to use CGI in this way. Yeah. And they kept showing examples of CGI from earlier things. And it's always, like, suddenly this... It was, like, this... Tron. And... Yeah. Like, suddenly there's a whole shot that's going to be completely CG or an entire portion of the script... It's going to be all CG, like with Tron. And with this, all of a sudden, it was like, no, no, no. We're going to have live action footage, but this element and that element will be CGI. And I, I love that. Or it'll be like this person, but this portion of that person has to be CGI. Like uh, yeah. when... Um, the like the bullet point. Bullet points. <laughs> um, the, the bullet holes. Holes. When, when he gets that's hit. That's the word. Um. Words are hard for me tonight. They are. Oof. That's okay. Um, but when Robert Patrick walks through the prison cell yeah. door and like the bars have to go through his face, you know, th that is Robert Patrick. And, you know. And same with when he's pulling the like pull thing out of his side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They need to CGI portions of his face, which means they probably have to CGI the other parts too. I was very impressed with with all of that. Um, I do really like how, you know, we're always talking about the visual effects. The sounds of the T-1000 are also really cool, in my opinion. Like, every time he gets hit with bullets and stuff like that, there's always this, like, liquidy punch. Like hmm. a 
I don't like, think I ever paid attention to that. Yeah, and uh, when he pulls the pipe out of his side, there's like that a, one. Yeah, there is. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I would love to watch uh, some special effects about the Foley artist, like what what went into yeah. that, the yeah. sound recording, the sound mixing. Um, one thing I did think was cool was that um, at the end, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one that added in the line about I can't self-destruct you'll have to lower me in Did he? that was added in post because what? originally um he had just handed the controls over to Sarah Connor um and it was just there was nothing said and so people were like the original audiences or the test audiences or whatever were really confused about why it had to be Sarah Connor that was doing it. So it was Arnold that added in the, I can't self-destruct. You'll have to lower me into the steel. Oh my gosh. And cause I love that. Like the, the concept that I can come up with the idea, but my coding won't let me hit the button. If I know precisely what that button will do. Which how heartbreaking was that moment to just watch Sarah have to lower him in and to watch John basically lose the only father type figure he's ever had in his life. Yeah. And Sarah also knowing like that she had mentioned earlier in the movie, like I knew John would be safe with the Terminator. I knew nothing was going to happen. I knew he would always be protected. And then, to have to be the one to take that away from her son. Yeah. She busted her ass out of a mental institution because she knew her son needed protection. And then she finds out he has legit the greatest form of protection she could have fathomed. And she had to be the one, what, a day later, two days later, something like that, to take it away. Ugh. That sucks. Which I know there are other Terminator movies mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. And I know you've said one shows the like future. So obviously it would make sense that Schwarzenegger would be in that one. But like he just got melted. But I guess he did come back for this one just like as a different model with the same skin, I guess. I just don't really know how it's going to work. And maybe they'll just kind of undo some of the things that they did. I don't know. Oh, like retconning the the events of this one? Okay. Kind of like how X-Men... Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Am I on the right track? No. Am I going to be like... Horribly confused when Schwarzenegger shows up on the screen again. No. It, it's... You already said it. It's just how uh, the Schwarzenegger in Terminator 1 and the Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2 are two different Terminators, both of which are given the Arnold Schwarzenegger skin. Yeah, you got it. Oh, okay. There's just more. So... Um, for all you know, there's going to be a scene in Terminator Salvation where they go into a room and there's, you know, 
12 a, a Arnold's. 1,000 Arnold Schwarzeneggers. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Whenever there's another Arnold, it's because of that reason. It's just okay. a different one. Okay. So. I um, see. So he's just like the base model for the skin? Yeah. Um, I, I did mention uh, a scene at some point in the series when uh, they kind of select Arnold Schwarzenegger, quote unquote, as the look and design that they want to go for. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then uh, I don't know if every T-1000 that was ever made uh, makes itself look like Robert Patrick or if they all decide on their own default skin well didn't he take on the look of that cop no when i rewatched, for some reason the cop they get in that first scene is not robert patrick well when he first teleports in we see him naked and he's already looking like uh robert patrick it's not until he comes in contact with the cop and he needs a vehicle. Okay. And so he, he looks at what the cop was wearing and says, I guess I'll recreate his uniform so that it won't tip anyone off that I'm driving this vehicle. Okay. Because in my brain, I was like, no, he's just imitating that cop that he saw. But you're right. I am re- I remembered it wrong, I guess. And honestly, without rewatching it, this time, if you had just been like, hey, Dallas, how does the T-1000 decide on the Robert Patrick look? I would have been like, I'm pretty sure it's the cop that originally finds him. But no. Um, so, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, one thing that I'm, it always just stands out to me so much. Uh, watching Robert Patrick run in this movie is terrifying. He yes. is so scary when he runs, when he walks, when, oh my gosh, when he, he zeroes took in. He lessons on that. Yeah. Like breathing lessons to like learn how to run and not look fatigued. Mm-hmm. And he, by the end of his training with that, he could, by the end of his training with that, he could catch up to the dirt bike. No problem. Which... I would like to know the details of that because I did read that. And was he able to catch up to the dirt bike when the dirt bike was going full speed? Or he comes out of the doorway in the parking parking structure. John Connor then has to start the bike. And by the time he's already running and John Connor starts the bike, he was able to catch up. Like... But still, to be able to run and not mm-hmm. look fatigued, yeah. I can't even walk up a freaking flight of stairs without being winded. Yeah. How do you do that? And um, the, the moment just outside the mental institution when they're in the cop car and they're taken off and Robert Patrick is running yeah. behind them. So scary. Because the way he runs, it's believable that he's pulling yeah. 20 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He looks fast as hell. In those moments. So good. And uh, just the the way he'll like, have you seen this boy? Really scary. Like, But I also love that the way they shoot 
his scenes before him and Arnold have their first face-off, it feels like he's another Kyle Reese. He's another uh, human of the Resistance sent back to protect. I don't know that I ever fully bought that, no? though. Okay. Because of the way that he walked and the way that he scanned and okay, just the his demeanor, I guess, mm. or his mannerisms. Okay. And I feel like... He just felt evil from the very beginning. I feel like the way they directed it, the way he played it, it was like, we're supposed to be able to look back and see that you always were the Terminator. But from the get-go, where Arnold is very, like, stoic and, like robotic and slow with the way he moves robert patrick his eyes dart around he he's moving quickly he's crouched so that you know he's Mm -hmm. he's always kind of trying to maintain a level of um, not espionage but kind of stealth sneakiness and that's never been arnold's mannerisms he's never sneaky and so it felt very um even if you're not Kyle Reese, who shows up and is running around barefoot and, you know, what year is it? Maybe this is a soldier that knows how the technology works. He knows he's in the right place at the right time. I need to find some clothes. There's a cop taking him out, taking his clothes. Like, um, I, I, if, if someone bought it that he was resistance until the moment he shoots at John Connor, I could see how they'd be confused. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Another fun fact I read about was that this movie took so long to film that the actor who played John Connor... Edward Furlong. Grew up. Yeah. His voice started to crack. They had to fix that in post. Yeah. Uh, He grew. There was one scene they said that they filmed toward the end. I don't remember what scene it was, but... They legit had to have him stand in a hole to yeah. make it look normal for his like height difference between him and Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. They never said what scene that was, but they did mention that if you look closely in the desert sequence, he's, he's way younger. noticeably younger. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible at looking at someone's face and being like, you look nine. Um... But, yeah, I I would love to go back and revisit that scene and and see if we can notice any age difference visually. Um, But. uh, Oh, there was another fun fact I read about. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was gifted a plane Mm. by the director um, for taking this role. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like Um, a straight up plane. (laughs) It says a slightly used Gulfstream 3. Oh, it's used? Ew. Slightly used. um, Worth about $14 million. Like, what? Was that? I bet that wasn't just his paycheck, right? He probably also got a paycheck. I'm I'm sure he got a paycheck. But have a paycheck and a plane, Arnold. Here you go. Um couple other things to uh mention or discuss at length um i i really like uh and i i could have sworn that arnold in the first movie and arnold in this one are supposed to be two separate models i thought it was 
T700 and T800, but everything I looked at on the internet, it seems like they may be the same model. I'm not completely sure, um, which I know I'm going to take heat for that because uh, knowing uh, some of the friends that I used to run with, they know this information by heart. So if, uh, just to throw some names out there, if Jim Corbin is listening, he's already like Dallas, you damn fool. If, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Lee knows right off the top of his head. If, uh, Lund, Mike Lund would probably, yeah. Uh, my dad, Ross. Yeah. Um, which, um, luckily I highly doubt Larry Ross is listening to this. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Maybe in in the year 2029. 2029. He's figured out the podcast app. Um, if so, hi, Dad. We mentioned your store. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, And, you know, there's so many other friends that are like, how do you not know your Terminator models, you dumbass? I know for a fact Liquid Metal is T1000, though. So, there's that. But... Um, I did like that in the first ter- Terminator movie, when you see his like first person view, it's just black and red. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's how you know he's a robot. He sees in black and red. In this one, it's black and red. But when he like sees people, he scans them. He knows their height and weight. And, you know, he can... he can Their vital signs. Yeah, their vital signs. All that stuff. The Terminator vision in this one is impressive. He's suddenly an impressive machine with, with you know, uh, computing power that is really cool and interesting. I thought that was so great. Um, I thought, uh, okay, I thought the music in this movie, like the score, is so much better than in the first movie. Yes. Because yes, it is. You, they go together really well, even though they're completely different sounds. But you have the, which is so iconic. I like it's it's up there with like the from Halloween. It's it's one of those really really iconic, um, uh, or or Jaws has the yeah the so great um and then the like the the you know piano in the background is so great it's almost it, it's like you're listening to the tyrannical machines and the hope that's being brought back by mankind like it's such a good score with that said they then have the which it won the Oscar for best sound. Did it? It also won best effects and sound effects editing, um, uh, best effects for visual effects, and best makeup. Okay. It was nominated for cinematography and film editing, but did not win. Interesting. But it won four out of the six Oscars it was nominated for. Yeah, and a movie like this, and in a time frame like that i'm i'm happy to hear that um i think there are times when movies like this are able to really um impress even the academy so much that they're like you know there's there's no way to um there's no denying this movie 
he is really it. expertly done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, so yeah, even though I love the score, the usage of bad to the bone in the biker bar, I don't know if that counts as a diegetic song, but either way, I think that is cheesy as hell. That yes. is that is the kind of song you use to convince kindergartners that a character is badass and tough for actual adults and and maybe maybe it worked in 1991 yeah there's a chance maybe this was like the start of that cliche yeah there's a chance that everyone now uses bad to the bone because terminator 2 used bad to the bone i could i could maybe see that but regardless it has not aged well Listening to that song in this movie is cringy. Oh, like the last thing I must talk about, or I'll die. The visual reveal of Sarah Connor in this movie is one of the all-time greatest character entrances I've ever seen in any movie ever. The last time we saw her, She was a waitress in the early 80s with, like, the big, poofy, bouncy hair. And, you know, she's just so, oh, no, I'm being chased by someone. Oh, help me, Kyle Reese. Yada, yada, yada. First time we see her in this, she's doing pull-ups in an asylum. Her muscles, she looks stacked. She looks like a rabid animal. And then when they're like, how you doing today, Sarah? She drops down, flexing so hard, turns around. Her her once bouncy hair is just hanging off of her like she's insane. She got she, rid of the fair hair. She looks like Azula, like late in the game Avatar The Last Airbender Azula, when Azula is losing her mind. You remember that? No. No? Oh my gosh. At some point, Azula's bangs like fall in front of her face and she just slices them off. It's amazing. But that's how Sarah Connor looks. She turns around and just says, Morning, doctor. How's the kneecap? And he has to, in front of colleagues, be like, Oh yeah, she stabbed me in the knee with a pen the other day. With my own pen. With my own pen. Um, James Cameron, you're certain... This is the same character I saw in the first movie? You're certain? Because this is... This sounds like a completely different bitch. She's badass in this movie. She's unbelievable. The moment when she stabs the syringe into the Drano or whatever... Yeah. And then walks him through the hospital with the syringe in his neck... Yo, she's playing for keeps. Well, and her weapons stash at random places across the globe. Yo, (laughs) yeah. She's one of those people that as soon as we see her, she is ferocious if it's just her hands. If you're dumb enough to let her get her hands on a syringe, you're dead. Just kill yourself. Any sort of weapon, yeah. And then she gets firearms. The world is doomed. If you're in her way, you're fucked. Like she she's... should team up with John Wick. Yeah, like dude. Uh James Cameron knows how to write tough females. He does. Put Ripley in a power loader, put Sarah Connor in a power loader. They could fight Satan himself. Dude. Such a 
dope entrance on Sarah Connor's part. It's yeah. amazing. Also, does anybody else get vibes from Linda Hamilton? Is that the right? Linda Hamilton, yeah. I feel like she looks like a mix of Paula Abdul and Jillian from Biggest Loser. Okay. Um, does anybody else get those vibes or am I just the weird one? I could see Jillian. I'm not familiar enough with Paula Abdul too. It was more so in the first one, I think, because of the hair. Okay. Yeah. But um, definitely Jillian vibes in the second one. Yeah. Um, Joe Morton, uh, just to pivot again, uh, he's the one who plays Miles Dyson. Um, he's one of those actors that I feel like is so iconic in this, but I really haven't seen him in very much else. But he then plays Cyborg's dad in uh, the... In Justice League. In Justice League. Um, apparently, he also appears in Batman versus. Oh, duh. He he appears in the archive footage showing Cyborg's creation. Um, but yeah, uh, he's he's yeah, great I in that. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a lot. Which of stuff. for me, I remember when he showed up in Justice League. It was like, oh, it's the the guy from Terminator Two. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, he's like, in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah, which. I don't remember him. For how much I love those movies, I haven't seen them enough. And I remember the shit out of Godzilla, Brian Cranston, uh, Millie Aaron. Brown. Oh, yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, and Aaron Taylor Johnson. I remember them really well. I hardly remember any other human characters. But uh, I'll mm-hmm. forgive you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, and I, I think he does such a good job in this. And I I absolutely love the the concept that from Sarah Connor's perspective, you can see why she's attacking this guy. If he's successful, he's gonna destroy the world. What's and the one crazy life? thing is is that he can see it too. Yeah, once he's been shot and she's like, oh, yeah. work, he's like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to be responsible for this. No way. Yeah. We got to destroy it. You can't just kill me. Mm-hmm. You have to destroy everything I have worked for my entire life. Yeah. He knows not only was I about to be responsible for something terrible, but if you'd taken me out, I'm not the only one capable of this. Someone else would have taken my place. They would have gotten someone. And just the the concept that, as an audience, you know why he doesn't want to die, why why he thinks she needs to stop, and why she feels she needs to keep going. And that moment when Arnold walks in the room and cuts off the skin of his arm, pulls it off, shows him his hand, and the guy's like, a lot of things just became clear to me. It, it's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah um watch this movie please yeah it's really good just real quick going through the list uh the performances i thought were so great i think you know for such a young edward furlong um yeah so uh the i mean we talked about the performances performances you know edward furlong is doing a great job linda cart linda hamilton is doing a we are struggling with her name tonight um all that stuff special effects obviously are, are top notch in this cinematography um, 
I mean, it's James Cameron. It's yeah, it's it's really really um, nice. I I feel like every time I watch it, I'm I'm too into the story and like the fast paced action. I'm not really looking at the, you know, cinematography. Like it, it's all just too fast to really take in any uh, well placed shots if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh where they're putting the camera how they're lighting it all stuff like that um but then there are things like when john is looking at uh sarah connor and then sarah connor steps out behind sarah connor a shot like that is really really nice so i like that uh choreography it doesn't have the most incredible choreography it's mostly just you know some really heavy hitting punches from and some well-placed cuts yeah um but still i think the action is shot and executed really really well um i like how they incorporate you know the the fighting but also the environment and different like handheld weapons at arm's length but then vehicles they come in contact with you know whether it's a helicopter or a truck or things like that one thing you'll remember this uh, while we were watching the movie, uh, he's fly- the T-1000's flying a helicopter and they drive under an overpass and the helicopter has to fly under the overpass mm-hmm. and it's clearly done real. That was insane. And then a little bit later, there's another overpass he can't quite make and he has to pull up and go up and over it and the uh, landing bar things get so close to catching I I had not noticed that before, and I feel like last time I was watching that scene, I didn't fully understand just how dangerous that is and how close they came. And It was the same stunt pilot who did both of those shots. I bet. Um, yeah, if you find a helicopter pilot who's like, hey, I can um, like thread a needle with a helicopter, you're not <laughs> going to be Cruise. like, you're right. Um so yeah that was amazing we already talked about music and score um cool cool that's pretty much everything uh wrapping up there's that thing that i brought up a couple weeks ago that i said we were going to do every week and then we immediately didn't do it every week but if this uh podcast were to really take off and we got to meet someone famous just like what's her name is now friends with lance bass what's her name elise myers elise myers there we go who would you want to meet through this podcast um, I'm going to shout out some fellow podcasters. Ooh. Um, I am addicted to the Morbid podcast. Okay. So if I could meet Ash and Elena, I would jump on that opportunity. All right. Yeah. Well, um, going off of that, I'm going to have to, uh, shout out, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies and Wikipedia Brown, the two guys that do Weekly Planet and Caravan of Garbage. Those guys are hilarious. Um, I, it's going to be so much harder for you to meet them. They live in Australia. This is true. But I mean, even if they were just, you know, call me up or, you know, send me a message or something like that, that'd be like, holy crap. You know, but they have uh, inspired a lot of, of uh, the shape that this podcast has taken. So same with Ash and Elena. Yeah. So shout out to Mr. Sunday Movies slash Caravan of Garbage and Morbid. Yeah. Go listen to them. Yeah. And um, then go follow us on Instagram at the real couple. Yeah. The dot real dot couple. 
Yes. Uh, we do uh, trivia. We do uh, have you seen it? We we do we drop uh, trailers as they come out. We do a bunch of stuff. It's real fun. Um, and then you know if you have thoughts on this episode, if you agree with one of us, disagree with another. Let we, us know. We've pretty much agreed on this, though. But, uh, yeah, we'll have a, a post about this episode, so you can share your thoughts there. But uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. Uh, tell your friends about us. Share our episode around on social media. We really appreciate it. Anything you can do to uh, get our names out there. Also, uh, if there's stuff you're liking, let us know. If there's stuff you're wishing we did, that we don't do let us know if there's stuff that we're doing that you wish we'd knock off let us know all right uh you have a great rest of your day uh and um bye stay classy san diego take care bye